Welcome to Never Again Is Now, a podcast about anti-Semitism. I am Evelyn Marcus, and in addition to being a psychologist, I'm featured in the documentary about anti-Semitism, Never Again Is Now. I'm a Dutch Jew and the daughter of Holocaust survivors. In 2006, I immigrated to the United States because of the rising anti-Semitism. I am Phyllis Zimbler Miller, the founder of the free nonfiction theater project, thinedgethewedge.com. My grandparents immigrated to the United States from Latvia and Russia in the last, at the turn of the last century. And in 1970, my US Army officer husband and I found ourselves stationed in Munich, Germany with the US Army only 25 years after the end of World War II. Our guest for this episode is Rachel de Vries, a fellow Dutch uh, country woman of mine. Um, Rachel is a working mom and next to being a mom, she's a personal fitness trainer in yoga, pilates, kickboxing and running. She's from Holland and she now lives in Curaçao in the Caribbean. Rachel, can you please tell us a little bit more about your background and, um, and your yes. moving to Curaçao? Thank you for having me um, on your show. Um, you I'm, your show. I'm born in Amsterdam. I'm actually one generation below you because my mother is uh, from Holocaust survivors. So I will be third generation and, like, and you will be second. Second. Yes. Yes. Generation below you. Um, just to make sure we have the right picture. I was brought up in, um, in Amsterdam. I went to Jewish school my whole life from kindergarten to primary to high school. Um, I actually know everybody, um, religious, non-religious Jews. I know many people in Amsterdam. It's like a village. So um, I have my fingers on the ground, my feet, in a, my feet in the ground and my fingers in the air. I, I feel things, uh, 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 the structure of the population changed from my, when I was young until uh, till now. Of course, there are lots more immigrants now and, uh, and people think differently. Uh, and Amsterdam is of course a bit different than the rest of the Netherlands. It's very international. We've got lots of expats. Um, and yes, when I grew up as a child, it was before the war and after the war. The war was the fixed thing. So I was growing up being five, six years old. It was very normal that before the war, in my imagination, it was all great. People were laughing outside. Everybody was together. It was the Jewish neighborhood uh, in, in Amsterdam and um, Something horrible happened. I, I, I knew that. And after the war, it never became the same. There are even very famous uh, Dutch Amsterdam songs that almost cry about everything what happened and changed after the war. And of course, my family members listened to the music and uh, we never ever actually spoke about the horrors of the war because my great-grandmother... Um, she was uh, in the resistance in, uh, in the Netherlands. She actually got the, the cross uh, after the war. And she helped a lot of, she told me, because I am 
When I was 18, she turned 81 because all the women got the children very early uh, in their life. So I, I was far away from my grandparents enough that they opened up at that time to me about the Holocaust and their family. So my great grandmother, she told me she was in the resistance. She lost all of her brothers and sisters and all of the children of her brothers and sisters were really small and her parents. And she begged them not to go, not to listen, not to go to work camp. She was uh, outdoor in the uh, Stad Schauburg. She took children because there was a, a train coming and the Germans couldn't see the little children. And the parents gave their children to complete strangers. And when the, the train came, uh, they would be able to go to the kindergarten or the babysit place on the other side. And they, they, the people, they helped hundreds or maybe thousands of children to escape from death in the death camps. And they were brought to non-Jewish families who were also in the resistance. And that's the work she did. And my great grandfather was really tall. Maybe you remember him. I don't know. I know. No, that remembers him. Uh, he was very tall for that time. He had very blue eyes big hands. He was like a farmer and they lived as non-Jews because they had the right papers, because they were able to buy papers and knew the people because they were from Friesland, from the uptown and the plot, the, the suburbs, not the suburbs, the countryside. countryside. Yeah. And the countryside. So um, they also got food from there. They, 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 they went also in hiding there and they actually lived as non-Jews and had Jewish people that were in their house. They took them in and later they became also family members because they were very close for four or five years. And yeah, that is my family history. That's very, very interesting, Rachel. And uh, um, that, that's, uh, there is a lot of, resistance to the to the Germans to the Nazis in your family history I hear and um, we'll, we'll get to your own form of resistance against anti-semitism today in a minute yes but first um, we want to ask whether anti-semitism today in Holland did, had any connection to your moving from Holland to Curacao uh, I actually felt the need um, to answer your question, yes, I felt the, the, the time had come and I felt the need to have another home in another continent. Because I studied history, because I see the here and now in a different way than probably most people. It's not here and now. The Holocaust didn't come falling out of the sky and suddenly there was Nazi Germany. This is centuries from the Roman Empire until the, the, the Protestants, until the, the Russian Tsars, uh, until Martha Luther King, uh, uh, not Martha Luther King, sorry, uh, Luther <laughs> Protestants. Uh, he was actually totally not anti Semitic, Martha Luther King. Yes. It was very. Um, 
uh, even the French Revolution, the, the philosophs and the, the civil rights movement, uh, Voltaire, he was a very big anti-Semite. He wrote about civil rights, but not for the Jews, because he had four good reasons. He found uh, that it was not applicable on the Jews. Um, and from there, the whole history uh, and the Tsars and, and Nazi Germany came and there were always reasons, very normal reasons for them at that time, or it was the play, or it was economical reasons, or it was because of, of Christianity or Islam, or we were the old people, but all, always a good reason. And nowadays in Europe, um, they, they think they're very liberal, uh, gay rights but if you look at the 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 the, the movements in the, in the in the gay society and they have their uh, their um, uh, movements jewish gays are not allowed they're not allowed to walk with a, a star of david they're not allowed there they're not invited so it's once more again it's uh, a, a liberal it's supposedly everybody's equal but not the jews and this goes in all the segments of the intellectual of the left of the right and jewish are in the middle once again so for me and my family i try to see what my great grandmother and father saw and my feeling and my gut says make a home in another continent not in the middle of europe even not in the states nowadays because i hear people go to colleges go to universities there is anti-semitism there's anti-semitism in in brazil what i hear a lot there's anti-semitism in every place so i try a small island it's not important you just make a home there we can grow our own vegetables I have friends there. I know a lot of people and we'll see what happens. I will be moving around from Amsterdam to the Caribbean, to the States, and we'll see what happens. Wow. It's the, it's, it's the old Jewish story of leaving home and finding and it's everybody here from little on i I've, I've been to all the gyms uh, jewish non-jewish i know them all so um it's better in terms of anti-semitism in curacao now than it is in in holland i understand is that correct that is correct when I was young, I thought if people get educated, it will help against anti-Semitism. But nowadays, I don't believe that anymore because the educational system has it integrated. If I look at my own daughter and I see her history school books, it's very strange that the whole subject of Judaism, when you start with the, 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 the Greek and the Romans, and then suddenly there is Christianity and Islam, and then you go on with the rest of the history and you leave the whole gap of Judaism and the temple and uh, the, the fact that they were in, in, in Jerusalem 
and and it was it was their home and they were shattered around the world but there were always jews in israel at at that time and there were always jews in jerusalem from that time until now if you leave that away how can you turn out when you when you you graduate and you, you left that whole chapter out and then suddenly you hear about Jews and you hear about Israel and you put in them that 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 Israelis are racist and 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 the whole uh, uh, United Nations keep condemning Israel and keep Pakistan and 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 uh, uh, Iran and I don't know the the the, the North Korea and in the Human Rights Council, there is something going on and you can feel it upcoming. You can feel the energy. It's starting to go round and round and round. That's my feeling. And it goes faster and faster and faster and you can't stop it anymore. Yeah, I recognize that. And the way you talk uh, with us now is also the way uh, we have seen you speak out on social media, and um, uh, you're very vocal on social media on anti-Semitism and lies about Israel, um, and um, that's how you stood out and and to us and and how we found you. Um, so you're speaking up with a lot of pride for Israel and 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 also against anti-Semitism on mainly on Facebook and on Instagram. For instance, um, one of your last posts, uh, you have newer ones, but one of the one of the one of the re more re one of the recent ones is that you declared Ben and Jerry ice cream officially non-kosher. Um, <laughs> I thought, thought it was not kosher anymore, as of <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, uh, you advise. Um, you advise people um, not to buy it and eat it. Yeah, but also to drive around uh, in Palestinian territories or or, or Islamic oh. countries with a um, with an Israeli number plate and see what happens. Um, yeah. You make kind of statements. They're they're very um, they're true. Very into the face of the people. They can go around it. It's actually Gaza and West Bank. It's Judenfrei. It's no Jews. It's like the Germans. The, the term is from Nazi Germany. They wanted the 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 holy ground to be German or Jewish free, Judenfrei. Actually, Gaza and West Bank is Judenfrei. And if you drive there with Israeli number plate, they know there are Jews inside, or even. Israeli people with Israeli passport, they will slaughter you. They will just slaughter you. It is also there. You're saying that you can't, the Jews can't go there, is what you're saying. We cannot normally go to our patriarchs. We cannot go to the graves of Rachel normally. We cannot go to the graves of all the, uh, our ancestors. Uh, we have to do it with uh, in the middle of the night with military escorts. This is not the people don't know, don't know this because the Jewish people, they're busy with their families. Normal Jewish people in the world are busy to study, are busy 
uh, getting uh, uh, further in life. They're busy with positive things, with simchas, there are bar mitzvahs, and, and there are chupas, there are the marriages. They're not used to speaking out. They're, they want to be, you know, leave alone, let me be, let my family be. But my thought is, if we all speak out, if we all say what's on our mind with respect for everybody, we are very strong. We have a voice. But if we just let it all like, like a tsunami come to us and we don't do anything, we know where it ends. We all need to tell our friends, our non-Jewish friends, but especially our Jewish friends to stand up. We have to educate them. There is one book I want to show you. This book, it's called Antisemitism. Is it, only, is it in Dutch or English? This is in Dutch, but I'm sure it is also in English because it's written by the, the, the Anna Frank uh, uh, Society. Foundation. Foundation, Anna Frank Foundation, and I had a very good teacher. And, and this book came to me when I was 13. So I had knowledge. What is anti-Semitism? It's to, to have other uh, norms and values on the Jews than on, on other people in society. It's the, 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 the equality that is not there for the Jewish people. Like uh, there is, there, there was for a long time, I hope it's better. There was no equality for women. Um, we, yeah, people need to know that the anti-Semitism started hundreds of years ago. It's, it started with uh, the, the Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and the, the Jewish people didn't recognize him as the Mashiach, and that's where it started. And that's where all the, 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 the myth came from. You, in, the, in the Middle Ages, we would use the blood of Christian children to make our matzot, the, the flat breads we eat on Passover. Uh, when the plague came, um, um, we, we, we put uh, poison in their wells. Jews did it. Um, um, there's there there are lots of rumors nowadays about the Rothschild family, which is not Jewish anymore. The whole Rothschild family is not Jewish. It's it's uh, a, a lot to do with the pandemic. Um, you see true things coming out of the pandemic, and not true things coming out of the pandemic. You see old myth from the Middle Ages coming into the. the what people think is going on with the with with the pandemic of course people can is strange everything that is happening but again the jewish thing is coming in the Rothschilds is coming in the, uh, and of course israel is is vaccinating everybody you can be pro vaccinating not vaccinating but israel made a decision like germany makes a decision how to handle the pandemic but when it becomes on the Jewish and the world order, then it's something different. Let me ask you, from the lesson to the Holocaust, what are the most important things you think we Jews and hopefully then non-Jews can do to speak up? I mean, which are the particular lessons? 
can we understand that make, telling us what we need to do now, not five years from now, but now? Um, yeah, it's, it's in my DNA because I'm the child of survivors. They had another view of the world and because they had another view at the time of the Nazis, they did what they did and they survived. So it's in my DNA to think broader than only the here and now, what cars you all buy, or I, I just put my, my blind side to everything I hear. They should speak up collectively, Jewish people that watch this, non-Jewish people that watch this, learn your history and try to see where true things end and fantasy comes in and uh, anti-Semitic myths come in. And so how can we speak up against them? Can we, I mean, I always am concerned to mention the blood libel because you know, if you once tell something, they can see that without the answer. So how do we answer anti-Semitic charges without uh, propagating it ourselves unintentionally? I don't believe in propagating unintentionally uh, uh, because uh, it has been through history so much that we need to explain it. It, it comes back into, into the French Revolution. It comes back into everything. And it, it is for hundreds of years that these myths are, uh, they try to, and the internet is full of it. So we need to speak out, it's really important. Yes, and, and it's also, you see the, the, the blood libels, the myths, about uh, the cruel Jews um, used and, and the, the, the baby killers. You see it also projected to the Jewish state these days a lot, right? Um, so uh, They use the it because Hamas and Hezbollah, they use it. They have a marketing machine. They want to prove to the world that there are baby killers because it's in the myths and they want to project it on Israel. They, right. they, pu they push forward their children and they hope Israeli soldiers kill them and they will catch it on footage and they will show the world that they're really baby killers. Right. So we call it Pollywood. Yeah. The, and of course, uh, I have Palestinian friends, actually Christian Palestinian friends that live in Israel, very happy there. Um, it's a very hard country to live, Israel. Um, it's in the middle of, of, of war. Um, I have a lot of family there. It, 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 they live on the edge. They live on the edge of the free West and of society, uh, liberalism and on the other side, there is Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, ES. Now we have the Taliban. Um, where it's going to end? And the world is so flexible with the Taliban. It's so flexible. Now you see, okay, they're, they're afraid of the women. Like here she Ali, she knows what it is to live on rule of crazy people. I just call them crazy people because I have many friends that, that they're, they're Islam, women, and they're very nice, very, very decent, very nice. 
very good friends and, and Judaism and Islam go hand in hand. We have a lot of uh, the same things. Okay, so um, you're, you're saying all these things that you're telling us uh, on social media. Um, you find it important, you say, because um, saying nothing is not an option. We have to be vocal, all of us, is what you're saying. To educate. Um, we have to educate each other um, and um, because that's what we didn't do in the past, right? And then it... No, because it is in the nature of the Jewish people. Uh, Rabbi Boteach, he says this very well. He's very outspoken. Um, I know many, especially religious people, that they, they, they don't want to come... Uh, 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 confrontation. They won't want to fight. They want to live in peace. They they they're always busy uh, to make money and and to to support their children. And every minute of the day is filled. They don't have feel the urge to do it. But uh, we need to do it. We really need to do it. And it doesn't matter if we're a liberal Jew. And maybe you're a non-Jewish people. I know many Christians for Israel, also in the Netherlands, they support us. They have flags in Urk, which is yeah. a small town. And the people reach out to me on Facebook and um, I will meet them very soon. And it is very nice. And, 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 and the man I spoke to on the phone, we will need each other in the, in the future because we know where it goes and yeah. we need to be connected to be able to help each other in the future. That's the spirit we feel, the urge we have. I get it, I get we, it. We, I are gonna, we are gonna put your Facebook and Instagram uh, URL below the uh, recording so people can contact you. But I could you give a couple of examples? You're right, people are busy all day, but really I'm a big social media user, but more of Twitter. It only takes a couple of minutes a day. Could you tell people, share with our listeners, uh, kind of like a shorthand of if you commit to 10 minutes a day, like right before you go to sleep or when you're brushing your teeth, if you can type one hand, how, how can they keep speaking up as part of their day without taking hours? Is it extra you? Can they reach, re, you know, share I, your post? Give us an example, I, please. Of, uh, of of ultra-Orthodox Jewish people that are kicked or hit or whatever, the footage goes around in the Jewish community. Spread the footage, let it show on your social media and Instagram to, to show the world what is going on, that people are just being hit or stabbed or whatever, the things happen in America, uh, uh, regrettably a lot these days, but it also happens a lot in France. We don't see all the footage. And I have many friends, many people I know in France. I have Canadian friends, I have friends all over the world and we're connected. We, we send each other articles, we, we post it. So if you see an article in the Jerusalem Post or wherever you read it, spread it. Spread it through your social media, put your thoughts above it and spread it. It's the only thing you have to do. And if you're afraid for your job or for your friends, it's the time to rethink if you're in the right place and with the right people around you. 
Excellently said. Evelyn, do you have one more question to ask before we ask Rachel for her last thoughts? Um, yeah, the question is, Rachel, uh, when you post um, uh, thoughts against or, 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 or video um, about, against anti-Semitism and, and against anti-Zionism, um, do you get pushback on social media a lot from anti-Semites? Only on Twitter. Interesting. Okay. Not on my Facebook, on my Instagram. Um, I'm actually a very good de debater because I have, uh, you need knowledge because they, they come at you, at, especially at Twitter, with things that are not true especially about Israel, you need to have, you, you need to have yourself covered with the, the Transjordania, uh, the, the, the Theodor Herzl. Uh, they come at you with quotes from Theodor Herzl that are incorrect or out of context. You really need to study your things. You need to have a notebook with certain things or, or, or look it up so you can reply. And, and they all say they're historians and they're human rights uh, uh, specialists and they're not. If I debate with somebody on Twitter with the Islamic background and he doesn't know, he or she doesn't know if they're Sunni or the difference between Sunni and Shi'i, I can slap them around. I already know what to do. Interesting. Interesting. So give us some more last minute thoughts that can help us because admittedly that kind of knowledge takes more than 10 minutes a day. So that's one group of people who really know. But for people who don't have that time, we, we just wanna encourage everyone to speak up, to realize that it's everyone's responsibility to speak up before, you know, my, my plate and edge of the wedge means, you know, no one says anything, no one says anything until it's too late. And that's what we're trying to give the tools to people who would normally just say, oh, it's not my concern about anti-Semitism. We want them to realize it is. This what you do. It's so important. It is. It is crucial that people speak out, and they're not afraid, and they try to uh, uh, educate themselves. You can just educate yourself by just listening, either to Rabbi Boteach or to um, what's his name, uh, Shapiro, Ben Shapiro. There are many rabbis, Kessing, Rabbi Kessing, I, I listen to religious uh, uh, people that see the world from a different perspective. You don't need to be religious to listen to a very intelligent uh, 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 rabbi that, that learned his whole life, Talmud, Tanakh, Torah. These are people, they don't speak out a lot. You don't hear what they normally but there are some rabbis that speak out, that see the world in a different perspective. And you can learn a lot about it. You can, can you, it's all for free. It's on the internet. You know what? We're going to ask you to send us a list of your recommendations. And we will put that underneath the recording too. Okay? Yes. Just to help people. So with that, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your thoughts and, and, and your time with us, Rachel. And I want to thank their listeners. And then I want to say to the listeners who haven't yet watched the documentary that stars Evelyn, features Evelyn, Never Again Is Now, 
You can find out more information and watch it at her website, joinneveragainisnow.com. You can learn more about my nonfiction play at thinedgeofthewedge.com. And whenever you can, without putting yourself in physical danger, speak up against anti-Semitism and hate.